0: This is Debbie and welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditch the norm to live their best life and become location independent This week I speak with Laurel Thompson and Dan Fischetti who are touring Canadian-American folk duo musicians. Laurel and Dan met by chance when Dan noticed Laurel's incredible talent on YouTube and approached her to collaborate. They began to create incredible music together and continue to be fueled by a once in a lifetime musical chemistry and friendship. Recognized for their musical talents as children Dan and Laurel began performing, teaching, writing, and making their livings as musicians as teenagers. Today, whether they are performing in Northern California or on the road in various tour stops around the globe, it's clear that they have created an incredible relationship that goes beyond their music. Listen on to find out how to share your artistic visions and be true to yourself with Laurel and Dan. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm here with Laurel and Dan. Hey, Laurel and Dan. Hello. (laughs) Hey. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. We're really
1: feeling very honored to be on your show.
0: <laughs> I am really honored, too. The both of you were introduced to me by a fellow mutual friend, Sierra. So thank you, Sierra, for introducing me to these two incredible souls. <laughs> <Yay>. Hey, Sierra. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're saying hello to Sierra somewhere out there. And I am really, really honored to have you both because you have such a unique career that I'm very much interested in. So can we get a little bit more about your story and what while you live an offbeat life
1: well um dan and i are both musicians and we uh we're touring musicians and it's uh just been something that we've been doing our whole lives actually so i think we're kind of lucky in that respect we never had to really give up you know a steady job to hit the road um but we you know we do a lot of different things in order to make this work we met what six years ago yeah In sort of an unusual way, Dan was surfing YouTube. It was a long Manitoba winter, which um, if people are familiar with the Canadian prairies, it's what, like?
2: (laughs) Eight months of winter and maybe. (laughs) But it was just one of those situations where there's a rabbit hole. You go down in YouTube and I was watching fiddle music videos. And then I I spotted a video that looked like a friend of mine from B.C. who plays fiddle. And I I clicked on it and it was actually Laurel, uh, who's a way better violinist than my friend. Um, like just really accomplished and great intonation and just great emotion in her playing. So I wrote her to tell her I was like really impressed. And I did not know if she ever did remote recording because I thought maybe it'd be cool to hear, you know, what our music would sound like. We did start doing that kind of collaborating for the first year. We knew each other through the Internet. We were, you know, I'd sent her some recordings of songs she liked of mine and just guitar vocal. And then she would go on Dropbox and add her accompaniment, it was really beautiful and the, the violin and the singing. And, and I was just like really excited about meeting her someday. And I, we started to talk about it and she was looking forward to it as well. So we did finally meet. It was like about nine months later and uh, I went down to California and we had like about maybe 10 shows or something booked. And when we played, it was almost like we like, cause we'd already collaborated online, so we, it was like the music was already there we had these recordings like
1: we'd been listening to and but we hadn't been able to actually play together I mean we talked on Skype and stuff
2: yeah
1: yeah it was a really interesting probably yeah the most unique experience I've had with collaborating with someone and and then um that tour went really well so Dan said, hey you know jump on board this fast-moving train i'm I have fifty dates in Canada this summer and and a bunch of festivals and all of this and and I said, wow that's that's awesome. My band just broke up. So I'm free and just uh, booked a plane up to Canada. And we toured all over Western Canada that summer and just kept going.
0: (laughs) Well, that's amazing. What was it like when you finally saw each other? Because music is so powerful. And I'm sure there was a lot of emotional connection with each other. But what was it like to finally see the person in real life? (laughs) <laughs> well, Dan
1: talks about, cause you know, we'd seen each other on Skype and Dan talks about just sort of looking at my feet and like, she has feet, you know, and <laughs> I was, you know, wasn't quite sure like how tall he was or, um, yeah. And it was just, Oh, he's that tall. Interesting. You know, it was just, it was the physicality of it was quite interesting to, um, to see. And, and I teach a lot of students on Skype and I've met some of my students, as we've toured around and it's always like, they look pretty much like they do on Skype, but just the three dimensional aspect, it's a little different, you know? And, and so we, we were just kind of, I picked him up at the airport in San Jose and, and uh, we just kind of sat there in the car for gosh, it feels like probably a half an hour or something <laughs> just sort of looking at each other. Like you're there, you're there <laughs> but then, um, playing together. I mean, it kind of felt like, We had played together before, and I've had that with just a couple other musicians, where there was just something about the connection and the chemistry that felt like we could have been playing forever, right? And uh, it was pretty neat to have this person come up at our first show, which we just booked at a a typically noisy bar, thinking, you know, if this is really terrible, no one's really going to be listening that carefully, and we can just kind of jam and have fun, and it's no big deal, no pressure. But someone came up, and, and they said, how long have you guys been playing together? It sounds great. Well, yeah, like,
2: it's actually – they they said, <laughs> they said, you know, how many years have you guys been together? years? Yeah. And I, and I said, actually, we just uh, played our – literally, that's like our first uh, three songs you just heard is in at the last end of the set. And I'm like, yeah, that that's it. You know, that's all we've that's, played together. That's all
1: we've played together. Yeah, it was a pretty – A pretty interesting experience, for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing, though. It's really incredible how you both met each other. And especially in this day and age, I don't know how that would have turned out, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. (laughs) Hopefully, right? (laughs) We would have never
1: met. But what's really, really, I mean, even more crazy about our story is that about, this is before we actually met in person, but about three months into collaborating I mean, I was going through Dan's catalog, which is massive, the songs he's written since he was a kid, and I was pulling out songs that I I could definitely hear violin on, and I definitely wanted to, uh, to try, and he was sending me these recordings, and, and I was coming across these songs that I knew, and I was thinking how is this like this is your song and and i was kind of putting two to, two and two together because this sort of fusion folk band from winnipeg here um where dance from had come down to california quite a bit when i was growing up as you know a teenager i was seeing them in festivals around uh, my hometown, and uh, loved, love the band, this is the Ducks, um, D-U-H-K-S, uh, they don't exist anymore, but they had covered some of Dan's materials, so that first album I had picked up as maybe a 17-year-old of theirs at a festival had one of his songs on it, so here I'm going like, okay, wait, is this guy just pulling my leg like he wrote these
2: songs?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it turned out, you know, and the fiddler in that band who I'm now friends with, um, through Dan... Other than the classical musicians, I idolized, like she was one of the people I thought, wow, you know, down the road, if I could do something like her. So anyway, it's just it's kind of a crazy full circle.
0: It's all interconnected. So maybe you never know. Sometimes fate, it just will happen. That's such a great meeting. You know, you already kind of knew each other before you even knew each other which is really funny
1: yeah yeah I'm like i've been a fan of your music for 10 years i don't even know
0: your name but I've been a fan. Yeah. Yeah. that must be so flattering right now dad it's very nice <laughs> From what I know from the both of you, you have been wanting to be musicians musician since you were little. I mean, this was something that you really loved already. What were the first steps that you took in order to realize your goals and your dreams and to get into this space of creativity?
2: Well, being a young kid growing up where I was, I think that the radio was really what got me going. It was uh, the oldies radio. Uh, playing like songs from the 50s and 60s, which I'm still very much into. Of course, back in 1990, I didn't have any way to uh, memorize the lyrics. They'd go by so quickly, so I started writing my own words to the songs. It was just like sitting down and going, I want to sing these songs, I want to sing these melodies. And that quickly started turning into me writing my own thing. Once I started learning the guitar chords, Uh, it was, uh, easy for me to just start being like, okay, well, I got my own things that I wanted to express. So, you know, I figured well, I'm young, I've got a lot of time, you know, so it's not like it has to be like a great song or anything. So I felt very free. Uh, It it was so easy. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that someone else was doing the dishes back then. It was like, I think there was a little bit more time and, you know, I'd come home from school. Sometimes I'd come home early. I'd be like, "Could I go to the washroom? And I just go home (laughs) and then I just uh, sit down with my guitar. I was obsessed, man. I was like, you know, I just discovered uh, Bob Dylan. I just discovered Neil Young. I just discovered that you could put your harmonica in a rack around your neck and play lead and rhythm guitar at the same time. And I'm going, this is like a huge world. I think all that stuff really added up to it being just it, it kind of paid into its own inspiration and Laurel her very beginnings were very different.
1: Um, well, I did all the classical violin lessons and uh, was in the youth orchestras and all state orchestras and all this business and and I think the real um I guess first career move for me was um when one of my my best friends his younger sister this little girl had said you know I want to take violin lessons and they said okay we'll find you a violin teacher and she said no I just want Laurel to teach me she'd seen me as she was growing up playing the violin and and uh, so they approached me and, and said could you teach her and I'm thinking sure well <laughs> why not and I really had an aptitude and and uh, just I loved it, you know, and just kind of thinking about what uh, what my student might need next, you know, and um, kind of creating lesson plans. And I was 14 years old at the point. So <laughs> I was getting quite a, few, a bit of uh, word of mouth uh, students coming my way. And so by the time I was graduating from high school, I think I was teaching like 12 students a week or something. I mean, it was definitely much better than babysitting money. <laughs> I don't know if I necessarily ever um, at that point had a a really strong vision for what I I wanted to be doing with performing, but very much into the classical musical world. But then on the side, I was starting to dab a little bit. But yeah, definitely the vision for teaching came much sooner than the vision for performing. And it wasn't until my early 20s that I started, um, you know, I'd been through music, uh, a music degree in, in university and stuff. And then I I started feeling like I I wanted to express my own music or I wanted to back up people who were expressing their own music.
0: It's also really incredible how you created all of these different opportunities from something that you already really loved. And I read somewhere that you still continue to teach online as a music teacher. And then you were doing this before when you were still a young teenager and then to now and then teaching online. I mean, that's a big thing right now, especially for people who want to be digital nomads. And you did something really creative with that. And you were probably one of the first people (laughs) who were doing that as well.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've been teaching all along um, ever since I was 14. I haven't really... There was a little time when I I had moved at one point and took a little break. But um, pretty much, you know, I I moved a few times, set up new studios, you know, location-based studios. And then um, about 10 or 11 years ago, my partner at the time, he was... um, software engineer. And I was lamenting having these students moving away, you know, after a couple years, because there was a couple army bases in the town I was living in. And so I was getting a lot of military students who would be, you know, stationed there, you know, their parents would be stationed there. And then they would take off for like South Korea, or, you know, this one guy, adult student uh, took off for, you know, he got stationed out on a Navy ship, like off the coast of Japan or something. And these people were keeping up with me on email. Just, you know, I finished this book, I finished this sonata, whatever. Um, What do you think I should do next? And I was trying to give them advice on, you know repertoire and technique over email, and um, then this partner of mine said, "Why don't you just start teaching these people on Skype?" I think the technology is good enough now, and it's certainly gotten better since then. But that really opened up a whole new world and the potential for me to tour because at the time, I didn't want to leave my area for too long because I felt so dedicated to my students and kind of got the Skype studio up and running there. And I got to the top of the Google search engine very quickly since no one else doing it. And it's just sort of maintained itself there without me really having to try, which is amazing. Five or so years ago, when we started touring, it was like the whole thing had been set up for me already, where almost all of my students were already on Skype all around the world. And I just had to kind of manage my time zones to be able to tour and keep up with them. As I've been touring, I've still been teaching everyone and they, I think that students like it. They're They're always like, where are you now?
0: It's part of the the allure of their teacher is to have this person who actually does what she's doing and still be able to teach them. So you got definitely the best of both worlds. And it's amazing that you continue to do that today. Both of your days must be so different, right? All the time. Can you run us through what your average day looks like? For the last,
1: what, six or eight months or so, I've been making sure that I do some meditation And um, I've been trying to learn French since Dan's other language is French. (laughs) You know, I pretty much start my day with that stuff because uh, I have to do that before I check email or go on social media or anything. And and that's been really working quite well for me. (laughs) So that's how I start my day. But then pretty much thereafter, we're both on the computers checking up with um, emails. And we both spend a decent amount of time Booking gigs and keeping up with gigs and you know, making sure that everything's falling into place with gigs.
2: I don't do any meditating, but I get up and try to (laughs) try to play some guitar and uh it's like I just want to do something that, you know, it's why why I got into it in the first place kind of thing. Like be like, okay. Because from there, you know, when you're a little kid dreaming in your room, you're thinking of a very different reality than what is reality to stay as a working musician. So the reality (laughs) is sitting at a computer for sometimes like, you know, six hours or something to seven hours straight to be booking maybe a couple shows. It's sending out an insane amount of inquiries. And you just got to have a real belief in yourself. You know, anytime anyone does give us a chance, we go out there and people really seem to be happy about it. So it's just one of those things where there's just so much out there. There's a lot of music out there. Like there's a lot of other artists out there on the road. And uh, I I find out where they're playing and I copy and paste it. And and that, that's what you do, I mean, because it's a venue, right? It doesn't mean, like, just because they have this one artist there, you know, you look at them and you go, okay, well, because I'm, I'm pursuing truth, right, I'm, I'm making music that's true to me, and, and that's really what it is. Everyone has their own truth, you know, you can't compare yourself to other people, everyone has something to offer, and not everybody wants to respond so like generally around the states it's like about maybe 1 out of every 10 people I message maybe 1 out of every 15 will respond you just gotta keep doing it
0: you know it's really incredible especially with your type of career you're in the public eye and people see you as musicians you are doing really well and they don't understand that that's just a small part of it especially since you're freelancers and you're independent and there's so much more that goes Into it, and it's not just the glamour part of it. It's not just you're not just sitting there and just doing your music all the time. In order for you to be heard, you really have to work at it. In the industry that you're in, it's definitely not easy, right? You're both musicians. It's a world where not a lot of people or not as much people thrive in. It's not just your regular nine to five. What has been the biggest setback that you have encountered, and how do you usually handle it?
2: Well, I think the biggest setback is um, age. (laughs) (laughs) beautiful when you're 14 years old and I was getting booked at the Winnipeg Folk Festival and the the gigs were just coming your way and I've seen that with some other artists that are just starting out and it's like there's a lot of uh, tension because you know like being a prodigy of sorts or whatever and then you know I think that's something that everyone deals with you know like every single artist out there that has you know sort of an early start and has their music together early. They get a lot of uh, notice, but then uh, the cuteness fades and uh, all this <laughs> other, you know, charming stuff fades away. And it's like, okay, then you're left with like, okay, here's, you know, you got the goods now. And and the playing field is far wider. And, you know, it's good for learning lessons. It's good for being like, okay, well, we have to really hone in on what what we're doing. What's our niche, you know, what's our, like, we, what we're offering you know to the world because you can't give any filler at all uh, when you're young you have more time for that you have time for like just to kind of try out things and experiment and stuff but by this point you know you hit 40 and you're like yeah it's just like this is it so i find that you know you just got to continue to to believe that uh you're offering something and it's not going to be old at all you know it's like like you can get old but you're not old.
0: Well, you know what it is? Creativity, it never gets old. We all get old, but your creativity, it doesn't get old as long as you keep going. So that's the beauty of it. And I think it doesn't matter how how old you are, how young you are. You're always trying to find yourself find who you want to be as a person and it's constant and it's always constant yeah (laughs) so you have both been all over the world and you've met so many different people what has been the worst advice that you've ever received
1: well sometimes people come up I don't I mean we haven't followed through on it so I don't know if it's bad advice but sometimes people are like why aren't you guys on American Idol (laughs) Mm -hmm. Why aren't you on The Voice? <laughs> Why aren't you doing this stuff? You, you have to do that. And I mean, maybe we're making a huge mistake. I have no idea, but we don't really like competition and all of that. We're just doing our thing. So.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. I, I was talking to somebody about this before because I live in New York City, and competition here is really ridiculous. And Competition is great. I believe in competition. But for me, competition means competing with myself. And not with anybody else I want to do always do better than what I've always done. And I think it can become very negative when you're doing that with other people instead of trying to help each other out. So
1: (laughs) I don't know advice that we've actually taken
2: go to Nashville.
1: Yeah, Nashville was kind of a dead end road there. I don't know. We've gone back to Nashville a few times, but
2: it's okay, I guess, to pop in and play a gig or something. But we were there for three weeks and staying at this place that you know was sponsored by this Canadian Performing Rights Society, and they let you know musicians traveling through stay there. And we got to stay there for three weeks, which was pretty cool. You know, so I'm there now with Laurel. It was actually five years ago, but I was there with her on one of her first tours, and people were like saying, "Oh, you should go to this open stage," and "Oh, you guys got to come in and
1: go to the Bluebird," and 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 we
2: went. And I mean, we went some to people. All the- Some people thrive in those scenarios. Some people have, you know, they probably, you know, get swept, you know, really swept up into something. It was so wild to think that all the 1400 songs I've written, probably not a single one of these songs would work here. You know, you're sitting there and going, like, seriously believe that I don't think any any song I've written. It would work because there's a a template now. And you've heard the new country, I'm sure. Put it on my radio one time when I was driving from Fresno to Santa Cruz because it was two in the morning and I was falling asleep at the wheel and I'm going, I gotta put something on to keep me awake, so I put on this new country station and I remember it, it worked because I was just got so angry at the songs, you know, because they were just, some of them were just so... Um, kinda
1: contrived, I think
2: Yeah, that's what it is, it's yeah. like some, just trying so hard, the song now you hear it and it's like 10 people writing it and they all met it in Nashville and it's like, the whole theme is like, baby, we're gonna hang out, I'm gonna take you to the lake, we're gonna have a six pack case of beer, and you're going to have your cutoff shorts on and we're going to go in my truck and we're, you know, Chevy, truck. Chevy truck. <laughs> and, and it's like, literally, that's pretty much it seems like that's pretty much all they want to sing oh, about. Now. Well, we
1: went to the so open mics and there was one where it was literally like we were the very last people who were going to get up and play. And we listened through the whole night and there were eight Chevy truck songs it's like, OK, this is too much. One Chevy truck song a night. <laughs> <laughs>
2: everyone has their own opinion of what is a good song and what isn't. So that's what, that's really when it all comes down to, you know, just being true to yourself and, and getting in, into your own truth and what you're really wanting to say. that That's what I really want to do, you know, the most.
0: Yeah, and not losing yourself throughout all of the BS that you're going to be seeing because for a lot of people, it's just fame and fortune oh, yeah. and uh, and I'm sure you have both seen that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And how it changes a lot of people. You know, I'm sure when you go into this industry, if you really love it, you have your way of doing and creating and then you start hanging out with certain people and everything just completely change. And that person is no longer their own entity. It's it becomes something else, which is really unfortunate.
1: I mean, we've said this a few times with different people we've known, like, you yeah, know, we used to be friends with them and then they got famous and don't really look at you anymore and that's kind of weird it's kind of sad I mean we're still the same it's sad you know I mean I think certain management situations and I mean it can be amazing but other ones you know you lose a lot of yourself in that and your control over your artistic vision so definitely be careful and mindful about where you're going and sort of try and look down the road I mean we can't possibly really see how things are going to turn out but at least try and imagine how things could work if we took a certain path, a certain direction, and and see if that's really what we want to be doing. I know? think
2: for a lot of people, they need to realize that they've already made their dreams come true. You know, like just to sit there on and, and write a song that's true to themselves and play it for friends and family and, and, and go and play a couple little shows around. You know, you haven't like entered the music business itself where it's just this, like, really it's all so many illusions and there's a lot of things going on that, that, that could take you really far away from who you are and sweep you up into that. So it's probably better to just be like, have, have your goals a little, you know, a couple of notches down where you're like, okay, I'm going to get up this morning and strum my guitar, play some music. And that could be a goal. It's, it just never ends. Like on the musical end of it, I think ambition is a good thing. And it. I like what you said earlier about being, you know, comparing yourself to yourself and growing, on your own, you know, and of course, others can come through and inspire you. That's okay. But I find that some people, they just get really into this. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, oh, that guy had a great audience. Wow, well, look at all the cheering. I'm going to go and, you know, try to slip into that template and behave exactly like that guy and dress like him. And what helped me get over this comparing myself to everybody else, I, I started looking at my iTunes one day and I'm looking at, you know, Bob Dylan and Paul Simon and I'm going, okay. I frickin' love Bob Dylan, right? Or, hey, I frickin' love Paul Simon. So I'm sitting there going, does Paul Simon sit there in his bedroom and think in his head, yeah, this Dan Frechette guy, man, he likes Bob Dylan, man, and, uh, you know, I'm maybe I'm going to have to start doing more music like Bob Dylan just so that Dan Frechette likes me more, but <laughs> highly doubt it. Like, I'm pretty sure. Like, these guys, they're just working on their own thing, man. And it, I thought about it, and I'm realizing, yeah, like, these people don't care they're out there doing their music and and enjoying themselves and not even having any thoughts like that. So and and if a million people like Bob Dylan and two million like Paul Simon, it doesn't matter, does it? Like really?
0: Being a musician, making a living from it is seems really hard. I'm not a musician. You both are, but it seems really hard. (laughs) How are you able to finance this chosen career that you have from the start? And how do you continue to create income today?
1: The best advice I ever got, my um, Steve Seskin, he's a fairly, I mean, he he wrote for Garth Brooks and different people, but he is my uncle's wife's brother. and So I don't really know him well, but uh, when I was a teenager and uh, my aunt and uncle had gotten married recently and we were sort of meeting her extended family, <coughs> my mom dragged me over and she said, here's my daughter and she wants to be a musician. Do you have any advice for her? And he said, wear many hats. and at that point I thought, um, I can already do that. I'm already playing in this little string quartet and I'm already teaching and, and just to, you know, I, I I thought of, um, the nine to five job that my dad was doing and seeing him not necessarily being that happy, um, with, with his chosen career path, just trying to do it for the money to, to to support the family. I was like, yeah, I need to do something that I love. And I like the idea of doing something different every day. So it really appealed to me. And I've always done that. So there's, you know, I've taught all along. And that's that's probably been the bread and butter for the most part. Playing for weddings. I've written for Strings Magazine since about 2000. 2000- nine or ten that's you know a little income I was doing a podcast there for a while which wasn't an income but it was a way for me to um to get myself out there more um certainly now Dan and I performing original music is part of it doing studio work for you know going into the studio and recording on other people's albums that comes and goes. I would say the teaching has always been constant. Some sort of performing has always been constant, and then there's all these other musical things that have come and gone and it fallen away. Like these days, I'm not doing as much weddings, wedding performance, but Dan and I are performing a lot more than I, you know, than I ever did in the past. Or um, at one point I was doing, I was playing on the the units at a hospital about eight hours a week. And uh, it was a good little chunk of money that was, I could count on every single week. And after a few years of that, I decided I, I was done with that and it was a good experience, but I was ready to move on. And I thought, wow, you know, that chunk of income won't be there anymore, but immediately you know, I had new students contacting me. I had new performance opportunities and recording opportunities coming my way, and it just—it's it's always seemed to balance out, which I'm—I'm I'm incredibly grateful for, because uh, it seems like there's always something new to take. The place of something that might fall away or you know an opportunity that that goes away so
2: yeah because of laurel i took up uh, some students i i like to teach more in person so i just have a sort of a regional clientele of uh, people i do drop-ins at their houses and it's mostly guitar there's one electric guitar student and then i have a harmonica student and
1: dan been uh you know when we're when we're at home we're trying to do about six months on the road not necessarily continuously but yeah. Um, out no. of the year, and then we're home the rest of the six time.
2: Six weeks on, six weeks home, and three weeks on the road. Like actually,
1: the first year we were on the road for nine months out of that year, and we had just completely put our respective homes in storage at our parents' homes, and you know, we we really didn't have a home base. Our mail was just you know going to a PO box or going to our parents' homes. So yeah, over the last five years, we've started to you know really want to make the touring count, but Um, Yeah, when we're at home, then that's often when we're not doing Dan and Laurel as much. Dan's off playing with different bands, you know, doing sit-in gigs and stuff. And I might be going off playing weddings and we might do some of that wedding and event stuff together. But oftentimes we're, you know, I'm playing classical music and he's off playing cover tunes and 60s music.
0: Yeah, it's just being really versatile. And I love that you're both able to do that. And you have so many things under your sleeve. And you're not just thinking you're going to be instantly famous. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's not reality. That's not reality for anyone.
1: I think also, you know, living within your means is really important as a musician. I mean, I I think it is for for anyone, but neither of us have any debt, which is amazing, you know, and and it's like, we always, we pay off our credit cards. We, we live in a place which um, is affordable, which is very hard to find in California and in New York and a lot of places, but you know, we are able to luck out and find, it's a, it's a tiny little cabin, but we were creative and um, being, you know, two musicians living in the same house. It's like, sometimes we want to practice together and sometimes we don't, but we want to play at the same time and that doesn't work. So we uh, our landlords were nice enough to allow us to have two little uh, like tough sheds you know from uh, Home Depot put on the property that we finished and and uh, so he's got his shed over there I've got my shed over there and so you know if I want to go teach uh, the impetus for a lot of that was the teaching it's like I had to vacate our house two days a week all day you know as I'm teaching students and So it's like being creative in the living situation. We're quite frugal, you know. We're very savings-minded.
0: Let's fast forward to 50 years from now, and you're both looking back (laughs) at your life. (laughs) What legacy would you like to leave, and what do you want to be remembered for?
1: Well, I've done some some stuff with Strings Magazine that I hope will live on past me as well, but these sort of multimedia courses, and I, I, I put out one myself a few years ago on Vibrato, which is a really hard... Technique um, to teach, and you know, I, I just have sort of developed a program for it over the years, and I wanted to put it out there. I think I, I stopped counting around 500 students, but it's probably up to at least 600 or something now. And it's like every single day, I get an email, at least one new student signed up, or sometimes it's four or five new students. And and at this point, you know, it's a, it's a nice little passive income. I mean, it was quite a lot to put the videos together in the beginning and a learning curve for me to just put it all together. I want to do more courses and I would hope that those would live on because just the comments I'm getting back from students where it's like, wow, you know, I've been trying to learn this technique for a long time. And this has been the only thing that's really been helping me. And, you know, the books that I read growing up about violin playing and, and technique and, and uh, you know those people are all gone now, but it's just a a pedagogy that you know has been around for. I mean, they pretty much mastered the violin probably 400 years ago, <laughs> at least a few hundred years ago. And and uh, but you know there's still new ways to look at it. And so I would hope that that would live on as well as our recordings, uh, the CDs we've put out. I would hope that someone would still be listening to those. Yeah, all of all of the the teaching and and um, and all of the and that knowledge, as well as the recording, I would hope that that would live on.
2: Well, for me, it's the songs that, you know, that, that's really important that, you know, songs have uh, like a life beyond this week, you know, and that they're a song that can just, you know, live on for, for a long time, for many, many generations. That's like the goal really is to have songs that you can stand behind, or, you know, maybe a former version of yourself at least could stand behind and you go, okay, there's some truth there and, and it's an honest song. I really like that. It's like a real thrill to write the kind of song like that, and then to have uh, that happen. You know, it doesn't happen every time you write a song. But, and then uh, Laurel and I, our connection, like that, that's something a lot of people uh, witness when they see us play live, and they really, they really appreciate it. It's like we're a really good team. I think that'll live on.
0: Let's get to some fun questions. Okay.
2: <laughs> well, they've all been fun. <laughs>
0: Some people like myself, I love nerding out on interviewing inspiring people like you and Laurel and hiking and travel. What about you both? What do you nerd out on?
2: Well, I'm, I'm a fanatic on, uh, I really like with Laurel and I, like when we're on the road a lot, we'll duck out quite a few times just to go out and see petting zoo or any kind of uh, place <laughs> where store. there's <laughs> lots of animals because I think they're just really great. I love animals and all kinds of animals. Big fan of that. Big fan of you know just being in nature for sure. So that's uh, something Laurel and I have in common too. We're both
1: we really like hiking, and we have um, a three three mile loop just right outside of our door where we live in the redwoods. And and uh, yeah, just really lucky to, to have that to make. Time. It's really important for my day to day thing to get some exercise. And you know I. I, I like being out in nature, but I also like doing different things. I've got like a gymnastics kind of body weight thing and yoga and qigong, different different kind of mind, body and exercise things I, I really like to get into. And, and um, we love ethnic food. Yeah, and, and big time. Since we're vegetarians, it tends to be
2: Ethiopian a little
1: easier for us to find Indian.
2: options indian food i think i've eaten probably about uh 800 plates of palak paneer and chana masala right now. <laughs> i just want to, yeah like that's <laughs> actually probably bread bang on so anyway just so you know um well and i also love to explore like for instance we uh, tell everyone about this because it's a great thing but we uh went to europe last fall and uh we had, uh, of course, we have our Yelp and we have all of our stuff on the Laurel's phone, lucked out and found this thing called Wow Air that you can fly to Reykjavik, Iceland uh, and on your en route to Europe, somewhere in Europe and get a really good deal, which is musician friendly. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can get out there and, you know, a couple hundred bucks in, but you're out in Europe. And so we went to explore I- Iceland and we rented a vehicle and just went out into the kind of a tundra. or It's, no an, much,
0: it's, it's amazing. It's have an amazing been? place. Gorgeous. It's probably one of the best places I've been to. And my partner and I, Aaron, we love hiking and we pretty much went there just to hike. It was amazing. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Great place. Totally amazing. Yeah. So cool. So you have both traveled to so many different places. What has been the most life changing meeting with a person that you have ever encountered?
2: We've
1: met so many amazing people and we play, we play a lot of house concerts. So we meet really amazing people all the time. I mean, we, we kind of have this vision, like it's like we're connecting the lights. And so it's almost like imagining like the globe being like the Milky Way or something. And there's all these lights and we just kind of have to go out there and,
2: and look for them. We've
1: definitely had some interesting meetings,
0: maybe I with sort of... each other. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, with yeah, right.
2: <laughs> Thompson was a big one for me.
1: My
0: life
2: <laughs> was
1: instantly very different after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably that would be the main one, actually.
2: Yeah.
0: Is there any question that you wish people asked you more of?
2: Well, there's some questions I think would be like when you're sitting down to write songs. You know, like someone would ask. Me, like, you know, what is your approach to the writing of a song? Um, what was the inspiration?
1: Like, in our show, we often talk about the inspiration for the songs, but in interviews and stuff, and when people have reviewed albums, it seems like they leave that out. They just talk about kind of who played what and what the overall genre of the song by Blow. might yeah. have been. But it's like, well, but what does that lyric really mean? And I like to use some metaphor and sort of stack metaphors and stuff in, in some of my writing and uh you know or I, you know instrumentals i might have had a an image i have this one song called ghost lovers waltz and um and it's kind of a movie soundtrack style like it could be like a harry potter kind of song or something you know?
2: i got a song called the glory in my soul And I wrote that song, and a lot of people don't realize it, but what I wrote in that song was I wrote a song that I am imagining like a Mavis Mavis Staples type of, uh, you know, soul, like, you know, oh, with the glory in my soul, you know, kind of song, and that's what I'm imagining. But, you know, I am limited, you know, I'm just – I am who I am, right? So uh, a lot of times people, I think – it's kind of funny, but when they hear a song, they'll hear the version that they know. And as songwriters, I always think the songwriter's version is probably the most representative. It's time to just say, hey, these songs can be done completely stripped down. And still survive because they're very good songs.
0: Yeah, I guess it's just people are a creature of habits. You know, once you have that in your head, can't fandom That's, anything yeah. else being done in a different way. So what are you both working on today that's really exciting to you?
1: Just actually last week, we just finished up the new album, finished up the graphics, and we actually picked up some initial copies yesterday at a, a place here in Winnipeg. So that's really exciting. And now it's kind of the we're not officially going to release until October. So there's the next couple months where we're going to start rolling out some different things like the the photography and share that with people. Um, we've put together a couple music videos already that we're going to be sharing. And I guess that's the other side of wearing many hats. I mean, not only do we have to (laughs) be doing all this music stuff, but, you know, learning about graphic design and how to make videos and how to do websites and, you know, writing and just the whole thing is, is definitely really necessary. So you don't have to spend tons of money hiring all these other people, but, Um, But yeah, so we're rolling that out And this weekend we're playing a festival So we played last night And we're playing tomorrow again And it's really exciting to be showcasing Some of these new songs that Definitely no one up here has really heard before, and we have a couple other guys joining us on
2: drums and bass. Yeah, it's our very first uh, full band festival show, which is pretty fun. That's so
0: exciting. And
2: these guys are guys that I've known for a long time, and they're both named Jake. It's like a bass player and (laughs) a drummer, (laughs) and and, uh, basically they've known each other since they were 12, so they've been playing together, like they're in their early 40s, they've been playing together for like 30 something years which is really hard to find a rhythm section that's been playing together that long and they're friends you know and just so that's really special so i really like having them with us
1: yeah it was it was a nice set last night and it seemed to go over really well i mean the other guy was getting ready to come on for his set and there was kind of a little contingent in the audience there that were, we want another song. One more song. <laughs> one, more song one more song. You're like, oh, oh, whoa, is that, is that really for us? Like, yeah. <laughs> we, get, I, we get some standing ovations here and there, but, you know, that was, that was I don't think we've ever gotten chanted at. Yeah, yeah
0: there you oh. go. <laughs> That's so awesome. So if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you?
1: Well, our website is danandlaurel.ca. So it's um, our names, D-A-N, A-N-D, L-A-U-R-E-L, and .ca is like .Canada, but um, it's also could stand for California too. <laughs> but that's that's where they can find us and... our
2: personal websites like mine would be the uh, ramblingdan.com I have a lot of my music on bandcamp laurel's website is her name laurel thompson.com
1: yeah we're on Facebook as dan and laurel um instagram we're on, we're on Twitter too we're mostly Facebook is where we mostly go for social stuff
0: awesome thank you both so much I really appreciate all of the knowledge that you just gave us you're both amazing
2: hey, Thank you, Debbie. Yeah, thank you.
0: (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this interview with Dan and Laurel. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where they share how to maintain a productive schedule as a creative freelancer. Hey, offbeat family i really appreciate you listening to this episode i would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast suggestions on guests topics we can discuss or maybe you just want to be friends why don't we chat some more on facebook at the OB life or send me a message at hello at the i can't wait to hear from you